It is good to be with you all on this 22nd Sunday after Pentecost and this glorious Sunday morning in South Florida. Today is All Saints Sunday, the first Sunday after All Saints Day, which is November 1st. We remember and are grateful for our loved ones and friends who have joined the church triumphant this past year. And later in the service, we will honor them. Therefore, I have chosen scripture readings from the Revised Common Lectionary for All Saints Day and discovered a wonderful and challenging text from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Jesus came down with the disciples and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last weekend, all the kids were home, and we were all in the kitchen making food for brunch, which we love to do. And in the midst of cutting up fruit and scrambling eggs, the conversation turned to highs and lows. It just happened. I don't even know how. And it was a wonderful opportunity to look into our kids' souls. We've all been part of a highs and lows discussion, right? If you've been on a mission trip or are part of a youth group, you know how these conversations work. Reflections are shared, some serious, some funny, and it often begins with the activities of the day. 
with everyone sharing one positive thing and one challenging thing. Sometimes it's called high highs and low lows, but my favorite version is roses and thorns, because it brings a gentle reminder that even within the same flower, beauty abounds, as well as prickly things that might surprise you or even hurt you. By the way, this conversation may be helpful in a variety of settings: the dinner table. Children love this. Workplaces, friend groups, book clubs, or even time spent with a friend in the park. It's a fun and meaningful way to get to know one another, and to gain greater self-awareness. In today's scripture passage, we find some highs and lows, roses and thorns, if you will, as described by Jesus to his disciples. And the crowd who had gathered around. In Luke's gospel, they are described as blessings and woes. These verses might sound familiar, as they are echoes of the well-known beatitudes in Matthew chapter six, although Luke has a different perspective. In Matthew, the gospel writer presents Jesus on the mountain in Galilee. Giving a sermon to the disciples, whereas Luke has Jesus on a level place, hence the Sermon on the Plain. Here we find Jesus amid all the joys and sufferings in life. And in Luke, we're not surprised that the writer emphasizes the universal nature of Jesus's healing and teaching, with people coming from all Judea. And Jerusalem. Well, it's important to note that the Beatitudes are not advice; rather, they simply affirm common wisdom. Here, in the Gospel of Luke, the Beatitudes are more literal. There is none of the spiritualizing found in Matthew's Gospel, like the down-to-earth, good old common sense from my grandfather. Early to bed and early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. Yes, wise. Here in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus identifies with the poor, the hungry, the weeping, and those who are excluded and persecuted. They are blessed. The Beatitudes here are not about our desire to become more godly or righteous. One commentator puts it this way: Jesus is basically saying to the crowd and the disciples, "Look, people are starving, people are homeless, people are grieving, people are sick, people are dying, people are left out and excluded, people are lonely, people are confused. And what are you doing? Don't just sit there. Do something." If these blessings seem more like thorns, you are not alone. Often, we associate the word "blessing" with happiness or good fortune, but in the Greek, it's a word that refers to being in right relationship with God. That's the blessing. It is sometimes translated as happy, but the problem with our English word "happy." 
is that it assumes that life is a bowl of cherries, but the Beatitudes seem to be pointing to the pits. <laughs> For example, happy are you who are poor. Happy are you who are poor? Something is lost in the translation. As I wrestled with the text, I grew to appreciate Luke's version of the Beatitudes because Jesus is speaking plainly about the realities of life and living, which I find refreshing and affords us the opportunity to embrace our responsibility as Christ followers. But then, the gospel pushes us even further as we grapple with Luke's thorns or woes. Our understanding of woes typically refers to expressions of grief, lament, misfortune, or affliction. Still speaking plainly about our lives and about our living, Jesus starts turning things upside down. Does he mean that we won't be blessed by our own accomplishments, our advanced degrees, or our investment portfolios? That's when I started looking at the other options from our revised common lectionary for today. <laughs> Happy are the poor and woe to the rich. Happy are the poor and woe to the rich. Is anybody here experiencing some cognitive dissonance? Let me explain. In Aesop's fable of the fox and the grapes, a fox spies high-hanging grapes and wants to eat them. But when the fox can't reach the grapes, the fox decides that the fruit are not worth eating and justifies his decision by believing that the grapes are sour. The fox dismisses his goal of eating the grapes as no longer important. Hence, we get the expression, sour grapes. Professor and social worker Brene Brown describes cognitive dissonance as holding two thoughts or beliefs that are inconsistent with each other. You want to be healthy, but you don't exercise or eat a nutritious diet. You feel guilty as a result. Or you know that drinking too much is harmful to your health, but you do it anyway. Now, there are a variety of ways people attempt to resolve the dissonance when cognitions don't seem to fit together. They may include denying or compartmentalizing unwelcome thoughts or seeking to explain away a thought that doesn't fit with others or changing what one believes or one's behavior. Cognitive dissonance is not necessarily a bad thing because it may present an opportunity for growth. If we realize it, we may need or want to update our beliefs to reflect the truth or at least to modify our behavior to better match the person we want to be. Admittedly, the blessings and woes we find in Luke can create some cognitive dissonance. Here's what Eugene Peterson wrote in the message, beginning with verse 24. But it's trouble ahead if you think you have made it. 
What you have is all you'll ever get. And it's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Your self will not satisfy you for long. Emphasis on self. And it's trouble ahead if you think life's all fun and games. There's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. There's trouble ahead when you live for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. Friends, what do we do when we are faced with information that challenges what we believe? Do we pretend we don't need it or want it? Do we deny the truth or compartmentalize unwelcome information? Do we assume the grapes are sour? To be faithful to the gospel we need the courage, imagination, and resilience to resist the status quo. Sometimes we need to unlearn what we have learned and pause to rethink. Luke calls us out of our comfort zones and out of our preconceived notions of being blessed and to embrace the upside-down teachings of Jesus. Blessings and woes, four roses, four thorns. And the more I thought about it, the more I could see potential and promising buds, you know, rosebuds, in the midst of our passage. Do you? What are the things in life that we will fight for as followers of Jesus Christ? How shall we address the social and economic injustices that are prevalent today? Are we focusing on the world's rewards? Or are we concentrating on the will of God? Luke is painting a picture of the way Jesus sees the world from the plain and calls us to be in a community that models that perspective. This morning, we remember the saints in our church and in our own lives who spent a lifetime learning and modeling important lessons about blessings and woes, faith and hope, obedient risk-taking, and legacy-giving. One of the saints I remember is a patient who accepted reality while at the same time modeling a faith that embraced courage, imagination, and resilience. She wrote this letter to her daughter. My dear girl, the day you see I'm getting old, I ask you to please be patient. But most of all, try to understand what I'm going through. If when we talk, I repeat the same thing a thousand times, 
don't interrupt to say, you said the same thing a minute ago. Just listen, please. <coughs> Try to remember the times when you were little and I would read the same story night after night until you would fall asleep. When I don't want to take a bath, don't be mad and don't embarrass me. Remember when I had to run after you making excuses and trying to get you to take a shower when you were just a girl? When you see how ignorant I am when it comes to new technology, give me the time to learn and don't look at me that way. Remember, I patiently taught you how to do many things, like eating appropriately, getting dressed, combing your hair, and dealing with life's issues every day. The day you see I'm getting old, I ask you to please be patient. But most of all, try to understand what I'm going through. If I occasionally lose track of what we're talking about, give me the time to remember. And if I can't, don't be nervous, impatient, or arrogant. Just know in your heart that the most important thing for me is to be with you. And when my old tired legs don't let me move as quickly as before, give me your hand the same way that I offered mine to you when you first walked. When those days come, don't feel sad. Just be with me and understand me while I get to the end of my life with love. I'll cherish and thank you for the gift of time and joy we shared. With a big smile and the huge love I've always had for you, I just want to say, I love you, my darling daughter. Blessings and woes roses and thorns. Sometimes they are all mixed up. From the perspective on the plane, both contain challenges and opportunities. Like the patient, expressing our woes is a valid and important thing. But so too is embracing the blessings and giving thanks for them. Everyone here has undoubtedly had at least one person, and often many, who have believed in us, who inspired us, and loved us through the blessings and woes of life, and encouraged us to be all we can do and be. That person or persons faced many challenges in their lives, but their faith became stronger. Thanks be to God and each of them were blessings to all those who knew them. On this All Saints Sunday, I'd like to give you a moment to remember, a gift of a silent moment to think about those who helped you to become who you are today. Some of them may be here right now. Some may be far away. 
Some have joined the church triumphant. Wherever they are, if they've loved you, encouraged you, have cheered you on near or far, and have always wanted what's best for you, they are in your hearts and you in them. On this special day, let's take a moment to remember those who have touched our lives. As we remember the saints in our lives, we are surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses. They are cheering us on. Those who fought for justice, faithful women and men who stepped up to serve God and others, those who built and kept this church open for worship and served the community for the last 110 years. Friends, we take the baton and carry on the legacy, not to maintain the status quo, but to live faithfully in response to the challenges of today. We are invited to learn from the great cloud of witnesses and be encouraged by their examples as we seek to let God do this same kind of work in our own lives. Thanks be to God for the faithful saints who have walked the path before us. They are not gone, but live on in the great communion of saints that we celebrate this day. May God give us grace to follow their example. Friends, remember them and give thanks. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, we have a wonderful tradition here at First Press when we celebrate All Saints Sunday by reading aloud the names of all our church members and friends who have died in the past year. As you hear their names, remember all that is good and all that is beautiful and all the ways these children of God have shown us and others the love of Christ. They have encouraged us and even now pray for us. Allison Pinsley. C. Don Peterson. Kimberly D. Coningsby, Judith Hamilton Field Gustafson, Sally Austin, 
Sarah L. Memminger. Royanne King. James Joseph Angeloni. Ray Olick. Marilyn Stores. Halsey Ford Smith, Jr. Kelly Jean Thompson Risley. Don Stone. Joe Basin IV. Nancy C. Anderson. Irene Bo Philipson. Nancy Dennis. Trent Allen McNall. John Robert White. Betty Rath Jones. B. Allen Dobbins III. Leslie Jane Anglin. Rocco Fasulo. Roger Winfield Scott. James Earl Lowry III. Linda Ann Texas Hemphill. Anita Terranio. Carol Shannon. Lauren Kearns Sifferman. Fred Anderson. Marion Dobbins. Craig M. Moore. Judy Hightower Webb. Let us pray. Almighty God, we lift up our friends and family members to you and your eternal <coughs> loving care. We thank you for all the blessings you bestowed upon them, the gifts and graces and lessons they shared with us. May their works follow them. O oh Lord, we are Easter people, and we thank you for this meal in which you have given yourself to us. Lead us into your joy 
filled with your gifts of peace, hope, and love. As we come to the table, we participate in this meal with all the saints. And may we be united with all of your people from every language, race, and nation, and with all the saints in heaven. As we share this banquet, you have promised. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Take and eat.